I was talking to an artist friend the other day about trying to truly internalize done is better than perfect. All of us or most of us have probably heard that phrase before, but actually acting on it is much more difficult than simply saying it or recognizing that it is indeed a good idea. Overall, not a trivial thing for a lot of us. So let's talk about why finishing a song is so hard and how we can try to make it a bit easier. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Vidala. Honored that you would take some time out of your busy week to talk songwriting with me. Hope your week is going well so far. If you haven't already, be sure to pick up my free guide on 10 different ways to start writing a song. We're talking about finishing today because, well, finishing is arguably the most important thing in songwriting or any art, because if we don't finish, it kind of was all for naught. But indeed, one of the other hardest parts of songwriting is simply starting, especially once you hit that point where you feel like you've sort of hit the edge of your knowledge and it starts to feel like you start to write the same things over and over again. Knowing how to start songs in different ways is a great way to address that problem, certainly not the only way. We've talked about some of the other ways on the podcast before and in videos as well. But a great way to address that problem is simply having many different ways to start writing a song rather than gravitating to the same way over and over and over again. Even though it's not necessarily a problem to have one that is a favorite way to start a song, we don't want to be limited to just always starting songs by, say, taking out your guitar, coming up with a chord progression, and then going from there. There are so many different ways to start a song, and in my opinion, almost all of them are better than that specific way. But regardless, if you're interested, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Link will be in the description per usual. So reasons why finishing is hard, and then for each, we're also going to talk about ways that we can beat that problem. Reason number one, probably the most obvious of the reasons, is perfectionism. So overall, what is perfectionism? I think overall, it's basically holding ourselves to a high and perhaps even unrealistic standard. It's sort of a, a refusal to allow ourselves to take risks artistically. You can argue that's not necessarily the case, but I think if you really dive into it, it sort of is that, right? It's, it's it's refusing to take a risk with a song that you feel isn't truly you and truly great as you define that. And I say that because, you know, the, the way that you and I might define a great song by ourselves isn't necessarily what other people think is a great song. Just as an easy example, lots of times there are artists that don't even like their their like biggest hit song, which to be clear, I'm not arguing that their biggest hit song is necessarily their best song. The most popular song and the best song are not one in the same. But there are many times where the most popular songs and then sometimes even the best songs by artists are not necessarily that artist's favorite songs. And there's no reason to think that we're any different than that. So just because you and I might suffer from analysis paralysis thinking, oh, this song just isn't quite up to my standard. Who knows? Maybe that would be somebody else's favorite song of yours. For example, uh, I only have like 
I don't know, seven of my songs out on YouTube at the moment, which I probably should put out all the ones that have been released so far. But uh, for one reason or another, there's only like seven of them maybe on the channel. And somebody commented recently that they thought a, a certain song was my best song. Now, I think it's probably the best song I've done that specifically is maybe for lyrical savageness. Uh, pretty much every line is pretty savage lyrically. Musically, it's catchy and f fine, but uh, nothing to write home about, in my opinion. Uh, largely, that was an experimental song. Just me forcing myself to be like, Joseph, write a, write a catchy song. You write so many like ballads and high emotional things. Just, just write a catchy song. Uh, and I happened to just have a, a good theme, sarcastic theme to go along with it at the time. Um, all to say, I don't think it's a bad song by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't agree at all that it's my best song. And I, even including the ones that are currently out, which a part of that is because I've written like 10 songs that are better that I haven't actually released yet. Um, or more, maybe 15 or so. Regardless. But even even of the ones out there, I don't, I don't even think it was the best song that I put out in the like two years that I was just sort of like putting out random demos just because I wanted to. Um, so, so like by no definition do I think it's like, I don't, I don't think it's my best song at all. But yet somebody else does, right? So what do I know? So, you know, if, if we let perfectionism get in the way, we get we might get in our own way in that we might have written a song that a certain segment of people would really like. And maybe it's not so much that our song isn't as good. It might just not be as much what we want to write or how we identify as an artist. So... For example, if you're somebody who who mostly is like, I want to write feel-good, catchy music that makes people tap their foot, and then you write this really sad ballad, you're like, that's not me. I, I don't even want to release that song because I, I want to be the guy that writes the, the catchy music that makes people feel happy. And you might release that song, <laughs> and then and people end up being like, oh, this is my favorite song by you. I, I'd almost compare it to... I heard from somebody once, and then after I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? I think I agree with this. They mentioned that hard rock bands often write the absolute best, like, ballads. And I don't know why I've, I that resonates with me for sure. Uh, but I remember thinking, they really do. Like, like, if you find some, like, Slipknot-type artist, and then they have, like, one that's, that's, that's not screaming all the time or whatever. So many times those songs are absolutely killer. So... Anyway, all to say, perfectionism to me is likely based in fear. Fear that our imperfect song will be torn apart, made fun of. People will notice the one lyric that's maybe worded a little funky or result in someone giving us a one song chance uh, and, and then being one and done, right? So I, I don't know if this resonates with you, but I, for example, I've thought of things like if somebody just finds this one song by me and then decides to judge me as a songwriter or as an artist based on this one song, would I be comfortable with that? And I think if we only release songs that we say yes to that, we're probably dealing with perfectionism. Uh, and I say this as somebody who absolutely deals with perfectionism. So I'm with you. This is not me talking at you. This is <laughs> me talking to myself and hopefully helping you, really. Um, so how do we beat it? 
something I think about a lot because, well, as I said, certainly I this resonates with me. Um, so, ironically, though I'm talking about it, this uh, is not something I've beat in songwriting. Although, I do feel like I more or less have beat it when it comes to songwriter theory content, uh, even though I haven't for songwriting itself. And I realized that the main thing I probably learned from creating content, whether that be this podcast or YouTube videos, is the more you release, the less pressure you feel on each one. Which is not to say you get lazy and each one gets worse and all that, or you prepare less. But it feels just less pressure-filled and momentous. Right, so if you think of like a lot of the classic artists, they did would do like an album a year, a full album a year, and most of it was crap. But nobody cares or notice, right? Because they have the one song that everybody loves on it, or the single, or whatever, and people maybe didn't even really like the whole album. But it doesn't matter. There's an album every year. If you dislike half the songs on an album, you only like five of the ten songs that are on an album, or five of the fifteen that are on an album. And you know that that's just the release of the year, but within a year, there's going to be another one where there will be five more new songs from an artist you like. All of a sudden, you know, you're kind of okay with them taking risks and doing songs that aren't really your cup of tea, but, but you know, at least they try something different, right? They took a risk. And once in a while, those risks might hit for you personally, and then other ones might hit for other people. But ultimately... And I even feel this for artists I love, because artists I love at this point probably on average release an album every four years. There are some that are still two years, but for the most part, my favorite bands are at like four, five years between albums. So I'm like nervous for them that I'm like, I hope this album is killer throughout because this is the only new music I'm going to get from this artist in five years. Um. Sort of like, you know, if your team won the Super Bowl last year, the pressure to win it again this year is just not the same as the Browns or some team that has never won it, right? They get to the Super Bowl and it feels like, what now that we're here, finally, we better pull this thing off. Uh, just to double down on a sports analogy, because I haven't done sports analogies in a while. The reason why every NFL game, football in the United States, feels more important and momentous than a baseball game or even a basketball or hockey game is because it literally is. At, at this time, there are 17 games in the NFL season. There definitely should still be 16, but alas. And there's a whopping 162 for Major League Baseball. So in football, every game is 5.9% of the entire season. In baseball, it is 0.6%. And by the way, in hockey and basketball, it's 1.2%. So that's why every football game feels more epic and important, because it literally is by a massive margin. I mean, every football game is worth roughly 10 baseball games. Like, the equivalent of losing one football game is like going on a 10-game losing streak in baseball. And that's why... Nobody cares if a team wins or loses a baseball game for the most part, unless it's in the playoffs, because it really is pretty irrelevant in the scheme of things. So anyway, in the same way, if we release 10 songs a year, every year, and three are duds, that's really not a huge deal. 
If you release three songs in three years and they're all duds, that feels like a huge deal. The more rarely something happens, the more pressure it has. So if we force ourselves to punch fear in the face and release more, each release should feel somewhat less pressure. And for this, you can think of older bands. A lot of older bands barely even bother to release new music simply because they already have enough songs people love to fill their concerts already. So new stuff is just the frosting, right? They already have the cake, but now we're just piling on more of the delicious frosting, which I don't love that analogy, frankly, because, well, frosting is uh, the only reason why cake is worth eating. I feel like that would be my hot take. But anyway, so release more, basically. In this, I am absolutely talking to myself and you. <laughs> we all need to release more because then there's less pressure on each release. And we realize that maybe it's not so scary to release a song and maybe it doesn't have to be perfect. And, you know, we can even re-release a song. Like, who, who says we can't do that? Who says we can't later rework a song and then re-release a, a different version of it if it's imperfect? So reasons finishing is hard. Number one, perfectionism. How do we beat it? Well, largely punch fear in the face and just release more and it gets easier over time. Reason number two, the nature of editing. We'll call it the nature of editing. So let's say you write a three-page paper in one hour. How does it feel to then take the next 10 hours to edit it into being actually good? Usually, not great. I think this is where a lot of people go wrong because it just feels wrong, right? You're like, okay, I wrote the three-page paper in an hour. So to spend 10 times that amount of time to take my three pages and keep it three pages, but allegedly be better, feels wrong to us. Overall, writing looks like a lot of work, and we like things that look like a lot of work. You took three blank pages and filled them with words. That seems like a lot of work. And editing looks like very little work especially to the untrained eye, but just generally speaking, to all of us, editing just looks like very little work. You took three filled pages and then made them still three pages. Maybe even trimmed it down to less, right? Because a lot of times in editing, you realize that you're overly verbose and said things three different ways and you didn't really have to do that. And then in editing, you realize, okay, I can cut that out. So I think human nature finds it hard to see the work of editing as being equally as productive, I would argue perhaps even more productive, as the writing. But also, any good writer will tell you that almost all of writing is editing. A common phrase is, writing is editing. And you may say, okay, that factually isn't true, right? Writing and editing are two different things. You could argue that writing is also the overall all process that includes editing, but also writing is a specific step in the overarching concept of writing, and then another step is editing. But regardless, the idea of that phrase is that almost all of the quality of the work, all of the quality of the writing is determined in editing. And almost all the time of the work is in editing. The idea is that in order to have a great piece of writing, it must have great editing. The first draft really doesn't matter very much, but the editing better be great. 
So if we if we fall in love with writing, but find editing difficult, frustrating, or just generally a slog, that we don't really perceive it as important progress, we're we're probably going to finish fewer songs, or the songs we finish are all going to be uh, underwhelming, probably. So how so how do we beat this? How do we beat this almost aversion to the idea of editing or feeling like, oh, this, this is taking longer than it should. Why do I suck so much? I wrote, I wrote the first draft of this song, which I don't recommend you do, by the way, but I, I wrote this song, the first version of it, in an hour or two hours, but I'm like 30 hours in now, and it's not like I have more. It's just this better, maybe. How do we deal with that? One, edit anyway. I know that sounds like the most obvious. Edit anyway. Uh, because I think some people legitimately actually quit on it because they don't like it or maybe they don't see the value in it, probably because they just don't see it all the way through. If they did, they would know that almost all the value of writing is in editing. And then, you know, how do we make it easier to force ourselves to edit? Well, we change our perception of the value of editing. If we change our perception to see writing as the obligatory starting place, but consider editing where the real song creation is, that is going to be, be putting us on a better track. If you see writing as 50% writing and 50% editing, you'll probably be frustrated and disappointed and may even quit on songs that have great potential. So instead, shift your perception to writing is the foundation. It's just the very starting place. Editing is the actual building of the house and the designing of the inside of the house and where the point at which you actually get a house. Yes, you need to start with writing, but simply seeing it as a starting place and not half the process or most of the process is just going to change your perceptions so that you're not disappointed and not frustrated by the fact that, yeah, it 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 does take a while to take writing and edit it, edit it into something other than a turd because that's where all writing starts. All writing sucks at first. And then getting real practical, learn to be excited about fixing one line because let's say your lyrics have two verses, a chorus, and a bridge. Pretty standard, right? Probably something like 50% of all songs written right now more or less have that. I guess the pre-chorus is... Pre-choruses are in like every pop song right now. So not exactly, but close, right? Now post-choruses are in everything too. But regardless, as far as standard song structures go, two verses, a chorus, and a bridge, about as standard as it gets. So let's say your verses are four lines each, your chorus is six, and your bridge is six. In that case, you have 20 total lines in your song. So if you take one hour in one night to quote-unquote just take one line from crap to great, you've taken 5% of your song from crap to great. 20 nights in a row, you do that, you just take one line and change it from crap to really, really good, and now you took a total crap lyric that seems overwhelmingly bad, and in 20 days, now you have a great set of lyrics. Something I think we lose sight of is... There is so much more value in every line and every word in a song because it's so much more percentage-wise of the song. 
it's sort of back to the, the football versus baseball analogy. The reason that every NFL game feels much bigger is it it literally is. Each one literally is way more important than a baseball game, a, a hockey game, or a basketball game. Way more. So that's why it feels more important. It is. And when it comes to songwriting versus pretty much any other type of writing, I mean, even an essay, right? Even a really short essay, like a one-page essay, has way fewer words and certainly way fewer uh sentences, I guess, would be the equivalent of lines, more or less. It has way fewer of those, even for like a one-page paper, than, than for a song. And by that, I mean there's there's way fewer in the song than, than the one-page paper. I reverse that. Certainly, when you compare it to like a book, right? Yes, every line of a book still matters, and every, of course, but not to the degree of a song. A song is all about every single line delivering a punch. It's the NFL. It's football. It's There's only, you know, 16 lines or something. Like, there were 16 games in the NFL a couple years ago. You got to make every one of them count. It's not like baseball, like a book, where you can have a few lines that maybe aren't perfect or whatever, and it's fine. So changing our perspective. Learn to be excited about fixing one line. And in this, let me throw a principle at you. We'll call it the inverted bell curve of songwriting excitement. So hopefully you know what a bell curve is. It's the whole, like, at the beginning it's low, and then it gets really high in the middle, and then stays high. It basically looks like a bell, right? It's a graph that looks like a bell. So inverted bell curve is like an upside-down bell. The idea being the most exciting parts of the songwriting process are at the beginning of it, and at the end. In the middle is where not much seems to be happening. A great final product seems very far away, and it usually isn't as far away as it feels. And the initial excitement of, ooh, a new song, a cool riff, an awesome bass line, or what a cool concept I came up with, or what a great song title, has sort of worn off. Right? But then also, finishing a song is one of the most amazing feelings as a songwriter. The, the feeling of accomplishment, of feeling like, yes, every line, the, the bow is tied. It's good. It says exactly what it needs to say. So go into songwriting understanding that this is almost definitely going to be the case. That you are going to be most excited about a song at the start and at the end. And you need to get through the middle where you are are going to probably feel discouraged very often. You are going to sometimes feel like not a lot is happening or feel like, oh, this is never going to turn into a great song. And the initial excitement of that new idea you came up with has probably worn off at some point. And we got to just push through that and know that at the end, we're back to the, the other side of that inverted bell curve where it's exciting again as we wrap it up and finish the song and we have another song that we can officially say, this is a song I wrote, past tense. A song that is done, check. A song that could theoretically be recorded and released, check. A song that I could put a camera up and record a YouTube video of me doing it live in my basement or outside with nice trees in the background or a lake or something, check. Right, it's done. Which brings us to our final reason finishing is hard that we're talking about. Obviously, there's more reasons than just three. Which is, where does this music go? So in a song with a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus structure, 
Our song is one, but it is also three. A song is just a singular thing, but it also is a singular thing that is made up of many pieces. And certainly we could break it down even farther, but one of the main pieces and the most direct thing to subdivide it into is we could either divide it into vertical slices or horizontal slices. Horizontal slices would be basically chords or instrumentation, uh, melody, and lyrics, right? Every song is lyrics with melody and then chords slash instrumentation, you know, everything else musically besides the melody, basically. But also, if we slice it into vertical slices of a song over time, we have different song sections, right? Because when you write a song, you're not just writing one thing. You're writing a verse and a chorus and a bridge. And then lyrically also, the two verses or however many verses you have would also have different lyrics. So it's common to write the music for a verse and a chorus and then have no idea where to take the bridge. And everything you try feels wrong. This is a part of why finishing is hard, right? Because it's easy enough to write one song section. All you really need to do is flesh out one musical idea. If you come up with a guitar riff, and then you build that out into your verse music, that's not too difficult, right? We all can come up with one idea and then build that idea out into something where it has underlying chords and it has lyrics and a melody that goes along with it, assuming that the original idea wasn't itself a melody. But the difficult part is the fact that our songs isn't just writing the one thing. It's not just building off of one idea. It's also a a sum of different parts. A verse and a chorus often have totally different chord progression, totally different melody. Well, by definition, it has to have a totally different melody. Otherwise, it's it's not really a chorus uh, versus a verse. And then totally different lyrics, right? So how do we beat this? One is take one part, whether that's the vocals or the instrumentation, and just try to improvise out of the song section before the one you're stuck on. So so basically, if we continue with our example, where you have your verse music and your chorus music, you know the song needs a bridge, but you can't figure out where the music should go for that bridge. You just don't know what the music of the bridge is, and that's where you're stuck. So play the chorus, and then try to just improvise at the end of the chorus. See where you think it should go. Try going to different chords. Let's say your chorus ends on a minor six chord. It probably doesn't, but let's just say it does. So from there, you got to figure out, okay, what should the first chord of the bridge be? And one option is maybe it should stay on the six, or maybe it should go to the one, or maybe it should just go to the five, or maybe the whole song, we haven't used a three chord yet, so we try a three chord. And then, of course, there's more options besides that, right? We can get into, oh, should it be a sus chord and all that? But regardless, the idea is you take one of the parts and then just try to improvise out of the chorus that you've written to see where it feels like it wants to go or should go. And yes, of course, a song is an inanimate object. It is a thing that you are creating. It is 
you know, intellectual property. Therefore, it doesn't want to do anything, literally. But we all know that music, and, and when, whenever we discuss chords, we talk about this, right? Like the five chord wants to resolve to a one, and we can all hear that. It, it doesn't literally want to, though. So that's what we're talking about, right? Like, does it feel like, oh, it, it feels right when I, at the end of the chorus, let's say it ends on a five chord. If I go to a one chord at the beginning of the bridge, that feels right. That feels like the direction I should go. And then right from there, that can be one way to sort of kickstart yourself. Another thing you can do is just improvise more as if you're starting a song from scratch in the same key as your song. So if your song is in F major, I feel like I don't use F major. I like my sharp keys. I always mention those. So we'll talk F major, which simply has a B flat. If you're on F major in your song, simply go back to the beginning where you probably came up with the song's musical idea by improvising with a keyboard or with a guitar in the key of F major. Go back to that. And again, just improvise as if you have no song at all in that same key. And if you already know the, the tempo, the beats per minute, even better. Turn on a click track or, or use a metronome or something. They have tons of free ones online, so you can pull your phone out, go to a website, and it will. you can you know say, hey, do 88 beats per minute or whatever it is. And then improvise in the key in the right beats per minute. Until you find something that feels like, ooh, this, this could be the bridge. This could fit in like a puzzle piece into the song that I've already, you know, three quarters wrote or two thirds wrote. Another thing to do, this may be obvious and this is probably the first thing you thought of, consider not having a bridge or whatever song section it is. Maybe the reason you can't figure out what the bridge should be is it shouldn't have a bridge. Maybe instead it should have a third verse. Maybe it should have a finale instead. Uh, I actually think this is sort of how I, I came across the idea of a finale. It was sort of, sort of the, a blend between realizing that it it wasn't really utilized in music to the point that I sort of made it up. It's sort of based on some things that some real songs do, but um, but but it also sort of came out of basically. I think the first one I wrote was like I thought it would be a bridge, and then I realized no, this like wraps up the song. This shouldn't go back to the chorus. Instead, it should like this. This is even more epic and even more final than the chorus is, and 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 it should just end here. It shouldn't go back to a chorus. So, the question is, what does your song need? Because a song doesn't need any song section. There are lots of songs that don't even have choruses. Right back in the day, they didn't really have choruses. Choruses only in the last probably 50, 70 years became like, oh, every song pretty much has a chorus. But even going back to like Bob Dylan with like the times they are changing, there's no chorus in that song. All-time classic great song. There's no chorus. There's a refrain, the repeating the one line of the times they are changing, but there's no chorus in that song. So your song doesn't need a chorus either. What does your song need? Don't follow convention because it's convention. Because maybe your song is trying to tell you it needs to do something different. And that's why you can't figure out what the bridge should be. Because maybe it doesn't need a bridge. Maybe it shouldn't even have a bridge. Maybe that is the wrong choice. And then another way to beat this, which this is sort of cheating, but also is, is a, an actual valid way, in my opinion, is to take my advice on always have a bunch of songs you're working on at once. 
Because if you do that, then this isn't really a massive problem. Maybe this is a song that won't be finished for years, which is fine if you're constantly working on and making progress on five to ten different songs at a time. Now, don't use this as an easy cop-out, right? Do the hard work. Really make sure that you just cannot figure it out right now. But there's something to be said for when something just isn't working. I've had songs multiple times where I came up with the first part of it years before I finally figured out how to finish it, which didn't matter just because I always was working on five to ten different songs. So it's not like songwriting as a whole came to a standstill, right? And you don't have to finish that song right now. In almost all circumstances, right? Maybe there's a circumstance where you know that song is the final song that just has to be on your current EP. That may be the case, but most of the time it's not the case, right? So don't artificially force it if it's not a big deal to. If you're working on a whole bunch of different songs at once, maybe it is something where just let it go for now. Keep revisiting it. And eventually someday you might have a life circumstance Or you might learn something new about music theory that can inspire you through it. You know, maybe you finally, I don't know, you listen to our podcast on borrowed chords and you had never even thought of borrowing a chord and, and, and not just utilizing whatever chords are naturally occurring in whatever key you're writing a song in. And just knowing that's a thing and some of the examples we gave might then make you be like, oh, that's what I think my my bridge needs. My bridge needs a major two chord instead of the naturally occurring minor two in every major key. And then boom, all of a sudden that new music theory knowledge might be the thing to trigger the, you know, the, the idea of like, oh, this is where the song needs to go. So hopefully this was helpful to you. And again, if it was, you want to get started, you have some songs you need to start. Maybe you're not at five to ten songs that you're currently working on. Maybe you're only working on one. Maybe it's your first song and you're only working on one. And you think, oh, yeah, that uh, maybe I should work on multiple songs at a time. That way, when I'm stuck on one, it's not like I'm not making any songwriting progress. I can just work on another song that I maybe am not stuck on. Great way to do that. Songwritertheory.com slash free guide. 10 different ways to start writing a song. If you wanted to do an album this year, 10 songs is certainly a full-length album. So conceivably, you could use each one of those just once to start a song and then build a song off of each of them, and you have your full album. Or if you want to do a five-song EP every year, well, you got two years' worth in that, which, of course, these are all things that you can reuse over and over and over again. I certainly do. Some of them I use more often than others. You probably will have your favorites as well. Uh, Certainly, there's nothing wrong with, in fact, I think it's a good thing to have bread and butter ways that you know for you, you often get the best results by starting a song with X. Uh, For me, I mentioned this a lot, but for me, it is starting usually at the piano, coming up with a piano riff first is very, very, very often the way to go for me probably something like 40 to 50% of my songs start that way. Maybe now that's percentage is going down, but certainly is the biggest percentage of any way to start songs for me personally. For you, it'll probably be different. That's okay. Stick with whatever works best for you, but make sure you also mix it up. Make sure it's not 100% or 80%. Try to keep that at a reasonable number. 
try different ways. Sometimes write a baseline first. Sometimes write a melody first. Sometimes start from the lyric side instead of from the musical side. Reverse engineer a song by coming up with a sweet song title and then trying to figure out, okay, cool song title. I'd want to listen to that song. But what is it exactly that this song would be about? Anyway, songwritetheory.com slash free guide. Hopefully this was helpful to you. If it was, if you enjoy this podcast, if you've ever gotten if you've ever gotten anything from this podcast, best thing you can do to help me out, besides all of you that email me with encouraging words, certainly that is a great way. Uh, that, that it really is, that does make a difference, by the way, uh, which is not my way of saying, hey, everybody send me an email and say how awesome I am. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but in fact, then there will be too many for me to respond to and I'll feel bad. But, um, but anyway, I just want you to know, all this stuff does mean a lot to me. Um, if you've, if you've ever been a person that like creates stuff and whenever it just is met with silence, you never assume, oh, it's cause people love it. <laughs> right. And this, uh, so, so it's always good to, uh, hear nice things. So I appreciate all of you who do take the time to do that. I know that takes a lot of time. Um, so I do appreciate that, but the best way you can help me out is leaving a kind review on Apple podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen, if they allow you to do reviews. That's the best way to help me out. I know tons of you already have done that. I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. So go out, finish some songs, and I will talk to you in the next one. <laughs>